Section 13 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chao Xu Qing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter 31, Part 1. Bao Yu allows the girl Qing Wen to tear his fan so as to afford her amusement. A wedding proves to be the result of the descent of a unicorn. But to proceed, when she saw on the floor the blood she had brought up, Jiren immediately grew partly cold. What she had often heard people mention in past days, that the lives of young people who expectorate blood are uncertain, and that although they may live long, they are, after all, mere rats. Flashed through her mind, the remembrance of this saying at once completely scattered to the winds the wish she had all along cherished, of striving for honor and of being able to boast of glory, and from her eyes unwittingly ran down streams of tears. When Bao Yu saw her crying, his heart was seized with anguish. Was it that praise on your mind? He consequently asked her. Jiren strained every nerve to smile. There's no rhyme or reason for anything, she replied. So what can it be? Pao Yu's intention was to there and then give orders to the servant to warm some white wine and to ask them for a few li dong pills compounded with goat's blood. But Jiren clasped his hand tight. My troubling you is of no matter, she smiled. But were I to put ever so many people to inconvenience, they will bear me a grudge for my impudence. Not a soul, it's clear enough, knows anything about it now. But were you to make such a bustle as to bring it to people's notice, you will be in an outward fix, and so will I. The proper thing, therefore, is for you to send a page tomorrow to request Dr. Wang to prepare some medicine for me. When I take this, I shall be all right. And as neither any human being nor spirit will thus get wind of it, won't it be better? Pao Yu found her suggestion so full of reason that he thought himself obliged to abandon his purpose. So approaching the table, he poured a cup of tea and came over and gave it to Jiren to range her mouth with. Aware, however, as Jiren saw that Bao Yu himself was not feeling at ease in his mind. She was on the point of bidding him not to wait upon her, but convinced that he would once more be certain not to accede to her wishes, and that the others would, in the second place, have to be disturbed, she deemed it expedient to humor him. Leaning on the coach, she is consequently allowed Bao Yu to come and attend to her. As soon as the fifth watch struck, Bao Yu, unmindful of combing or washing, hastily put on his clothes and left the room. And sending for Wang Jiren, he personally questioned him with all minuteness about her ailment. Wang Jiren asked how it had come about. It's simply a bruise, nothing more, he said, and forthwith he gave him the names of some pills and medicines 
and told him how they were to be taken and how they were to be applied. Pao Yu committed every detail to memory, and on his return into the garden, the treatment was needless for us to explain, taken in hand in strict compliance with the directions. This was the day of the Dragon Boat Festival. Cattail and Artemisia were put over the doors. Tiger charms were suspended on every bank. At noon, Madame Wong got a banquet ready, and to this midday feast, she invited the mother, daughter, and the rest of the members of the Shear household. Pao Yu noticed that Pao Chai was in such low spirits that she would not even speak to him, and concluded that the reason was to be sought in the incident of the previous day. Madame Wong, seeing Pao Yu in a sullen humor, jumped at the surmise that it must be due to Jin Chuan's affair of the day before. And so ill at ease did she feel that she heeded him less than ever. Lin Yu detected Bao Yu's apathy and presumed that he was out of sorts for having given umbrage to Bao Chai, and her manner likewise assumed a listless air. Lady Feng had, in the course of the previous evening, been told by Madame Wang what had taken place between Bao Yu and Jin Chuan, and when she came to know that Madame Wang was in an unhappy frame of mind, she herself did not venture to chat or laugh, but at once regulated her behavior to suit Madame Wang's mood. So the lack of animation became more than ever perceptible, for the good cheer of Yin Chun and her sisters was also damped by the sight of all of them down in the mouth. The natural consequence, therefore, was that they all left after a very short stay. Lin Yu had a natural predilection for retirement. She did not care for social gatherings. Her notions, however, were not entirely devoid of reason. She maintained that people who gathered together must soon part, that when they came together, they were full of rejoicing. But did they not feel lonely when they broke up? Just since this sense of loneliness gave rise to chagrin, it was consequently preferable not to have any gatherings. The flowers afforded an apt example. When they opened, they won people's admiration. But when they faded, they added to the feeling of vexation. So that better were it if they did not blossom at all. To this cause, therefore, must be assigned the fact that when other people were glad, she, on the contrary, felt unhappy. Pao Yu's disposition was such that he simply yearned for frequent gatherings, and looked forward with sorrow to the breaking up which must too soon come round. As for flowers, he wished them to bloom repeatedly, and was haunted with the dread of their dying in a little time. Yet, albeit manifold anguish fell to his share, when banquets drew to a close and flowers began to fade, he had no alternative but to practice resignation. On this account was it that, when the company cheerlessly broke up from the present feast, Lin Yu did not mind the separation, and that Bao Yu experienced such melancholy and depression that on his return to his apartments, he gave way to deep groans and frequent sighs. Ching Wen, as it happened, came to the upper quarters to change her costume. 
In an unguarded moment, she let her fan slip out of her hand and dropped on the ground. As it fell, the bones were snapped. You stupid thing, Pao Yu exclaimed, sighing. What are don'ts? What next will you be up to by and by? When, in a little time, you get married and have a home of your own, will you forsooth still go on in this happy-go-lucky, careless sort of way? Master Segundus, replied Ching Wen with a sardonic smile, your temper is of late dreadfully furious, and time and again it leaks out on your very face. The other day you even beat Jiren, and here you are again now finding fault with us. If you feel disposed to kick or strike us, you are at liberty, sir, to do so at your pleasure. But for a fan to slip on the ground is an everyday occurrence. How many of those crystal jars and Galenian bowls were smashed the other time? I don't remember. And yet you were not seen to fly into a tendril. And now, for a fan, do you distress yourself so? What's the use of it? If you dislike us, well, pack us off and select some good girls to serve you and we will quietly go away. Won't this be better? This rejoinder so exasperated Bao Yu that his whole frame trembled violently. You needn't be in a hurry, he then shouted. There will be a day of parting by and by. Jiren was on the other side, and from an early period, she listened to the conversation between them, hurriedly crossing over. What are you up to again? She said to Bao Yu. Why, there is nothing to put your monkey up. I'm perfectly right in my assertion that when I'm away for any length of time, something is sure to happen. Ching Wen heard these remarks. Sister, she interposed, smiling ironically. Since you've got the gift of the gap, you should have come at once. You would then have spared your master's fit of anger. It's you who have from bygone days up to the present waited upon master we've never had anything to do with attending on him and it's because you've served him so faithfully that he repaid you yesterday with a cake on the stomach but who knows what punishment mayn't be in store for us who aren't fit to wait upon him decently at these insinuations jiren felt both incensed and ashamed she was about to make some response, but Bao Yu had worked himself into such another passion as to get quite yellow in the face, and she was obliged to ring in her temper. Pushing Ching Wen, Dear sister, she cried, you had better be off for a stroll. It's really we who are to blame. The very mention of the word we made it certain to Ching Wen that she implied herself and Bao Yu, and thus unawares more fuel was added again to her jealous notions. Giving way to several loud smiles, full of irony, I can't make out, she insinuated, who you may mean, but don't make me blush on your account. Even those devilish planks of yours can't hoodwink me. How and why is it that you've started styling yourself as we? Properly speaking, you haven't as yet so much as attained the designation of a miss. You're simply no better than I am. And how is it then that you presume so high as to call yourself we? 
Zhe Ren's face grew purple from shame. The fact is, she reflected, that I've said more than I should. As one and all of you are ever bearing her malice, Bao Yu simultaneously observed, I'll actually raise her tomorrow to a higher status. Zhe Yun quickly snatched Bao Yu's hand. She's a stupid girl, she said. What's the use of arguing with her? What's more, you've so far borne with them and overlooked ever so many other things more grievous than this. And what are you up to today? If I'm really a stupid girl, repeated Jing Wen, smiling sarcastically, am I a fit person for you to hold converse with? Why, I'm purely and simply a slave girl, that's all. Are you, after all, cried Jiren at these words, bickering with me or with Master Secundus? If you bear me a grouch, you'd better then address your remarks to me alone. I'll bet it isn't right that you should kick up such a hullabaloo in the presence of Mr. Secundus. But if you have a spite against Mr. Secundus, you shouldn't be shouting so boisterously as to make thousands of people know all about it. I came in a few minutes back, merely for the purpose of setting matters right, and of urging you to make up your quarrels so that we should all be on a safe side. And here I have the unlucky fate of being set upon by you, miss. Yet you neither seem to be angry with me, nor with Mr. Secundus, but armed, capable as you appear to be. What is your ultimate design? I won't utter another word, but let you have your say. While she spoke, she was hurriedly wending her way out. You needn't raise your dander, Bao Yu remarked to Ching Wen. I've guessed the secret of your heart, so I'll go and tell mother that as you've also attained a certain age, she should send you away. Will this please you, yes or no? This allusion made Ching Wen unwittingly feel again wounded at heart. She tried to conceal her tears. Why should I go away, she asked, if even you be so prejudiced against me as to try and devise means to pack me off, you won't succeed. I never saw such brawling, Pao Yu exclaimed. You are certainly bent upon going. I might as well therefore let mother know so as to bundle you off. While addressing her, he rose to his feet and was intent upon trudging off at once. Chen lost no time in turning round and impeding his progress. Were you off too? she cried. I'm going to tell mother, answered Pao Yu. It's no use whatever, Chen smiled. You may be in real earnest to go and tell her, but aren't you afraid of putting her to shame? If even she positively means to leave, you can very well wait until you two have got over this bad blood. And when everything is past and gone, it won't be any too late for you to explain, in the course of conversation, the whole case to our lady, your mother. But if you now go in hot haste and tell her, as if the matter were an urgent one, won't you be the means of making our mistress give way to suspicion? My mother, demurred Pao Yu, is sure not to entertain any suspicions. As all I will explain to her is that she insists upon leaving. When did I ever insist upon going? Sok, Ching Wen, you fly into a rage. And then you have recourse to threats to intimidate me. 
but you are at liberty to go and say anything you like, for as I would knock my brains out against the wall, I won't get a life out of this door. This is indeed strange, exclaimed Bao Yu. If you won't go, what's the good of all this fuss? I can't stand this bowling. So it will be a riddance if you would get out of the way. Saying this, he was resolved upon going to report the matter. Jiren found herself powerless to dissuade him. She had in consequence no other resource but to fall on her knees. Bihen, Chou Wen, Xie Yue, and the rest of the waiting maids had realized what a serious aspect the dispute had assumed, and not a sound was to be heard to fall from their lips. They remained standing outside, listening to what was going on, when they now overheard Jiren making solicitous entreaties on her knees. They rushed into the apartment in a body, and with one consent, they prostrated themselves on the floor. Bao Yu at once pulled Jiren up. Then, with a sign, he took a seat on the bed. Get up, he shouted to the body of girls, and clear out. What would you have me do? he asked, addressing himself to Jiren. This heart of mine has been rent to pieces, and no one has any idea about it. While speaking, tears of a sudden rolled down his cheek. At the sight of Bao Yu weeping, Jiren also melted into a fit of crying. Jing Wen was standing by them with watery eyes. She was on the point of reasoning with them, when espying Lin Yu stepped into the room, she speedily walked out. On a grand holiday like this, remonstrated Lin Yu, smiling. How is it that you are sniveling away and all for nothing? Is it likely that high words have resulted all through that dumpling contest? Bao Yu and Lin Yu blurted out laughing. You don't tell me, cousin Secundus, Lin Yu put in, but I know all about it, even though I have asked no questions. Now she spoke, and now she patted Jiren on the shoulder. My dear sister-in-law, she smiled, just you tell me. It must surely be that you two have had a quarrel. Confide in me, your cousin, so that I might reconcile you. Miss Lin rejoined Jiren, pushing her off. What are you fussing about? I'm simply one of our servant girls. You are therefore rather erratic in your talk. You say that you are only a servant girl, smilingly replied Tai Yu, and yet I treat you like a sister-in-law. Why do you, Bao Yu chimed in, give her this abusive epithet? But however much she may make allowance for this, can she, when there are so many others who tell idle tales on her account, put up with your coming and telling her all you have said? Miss Lin, smiled Jiren, you are not aware of the purpose of my heart. Unless my breath fails and I die, I shall continue in his service. If you die, remarked Lin Yu, smiling, what will others do, I wonder? As for me, I shall be the first to die from crying. Were you to die, added Bao Yu laughingly, I shall become a bonze. You better be a little more sober-minded, laughed Jiren. What's the good of coming out with all these things? Linda Yu put out two of her fingers and puckered up her lips. Up to this, she laughed, he's become a bonze thrice, 
Henceforward, I'll try and remember how many times you make up your mind to become a Buddhist priest. This reminded Pao Yu that she was referring to a remark he had made on a previous occasion. But smiling to himself, he allowed the matter to drop. After a short interval, Lin Yu went away. A servant then came to announce Mr. Xie wanted to see him, and Pao Yu had to go. The purpose of this visit was in fact to invite him to a banquet, and as he could not very well put forward any excuse to refuse, he had to remain till the end of the feast before he was able to take his leave. The result was that, on his return in the evening, he was to a great extent under the effect of wine. With bustling step, he went his way into his own court. Here, he perceived that the cool coach with a back to it had already been placed in the yard, and that there was someone asleep on it. Prompted by the conviction that it must be Zheren, Bao Yu seated himself on the edge of the couch. As he did so, he gave her a push, and inquired whether her sore place was any better. But thereupon he saw the occupant turn herself round and exclaim, What do you come again to irritate me for? Bao Yu at a glance realized that it was not Zheren, but Jing Wen. Bao Yu then clutched her and compelled her to sit next to him. Your disposition, he smiled, has been more and more spoiled through indulgence. When you let the fan drop this morning, I simply made one or two remarks, and out you came with that long rigmarole. Had you gone for me, it wouldn't have mattered. But you also dragged in Jiren, who only interfered with very good intention of inducing us to make it up again. But ponder now. Ought you to have done it? Yes or no? With this intense heat, remonstrated Ching Wen, why do you pull me and toss me about? Should any people see you, what would they think? But this person of mine isn't meet to be seated in here. Since you yourself know that it isn't meet, replied Bao Yu with a smile, why then were you sleeping here? To this taunt, Ching Wen had nothing to say, but she spread out into fresh laughter. It was all right, she retorted, during your absence, but the moment you come, it isn't meet for me to stay. Get up and let me go and have my bath. Zheren and Xie Yue have both had theirs, so I'll call them here. I have just had again a good deal of wine, remarked Bao Yu laughingly. So a wash will be good for me, and since you have not had your bath, you had better bring the water and let's both have it together. No, no, smiled Ching Wen, waving her hand. I cannot presume to put you to any trouble. Sir, I still remember how when Bi Hen used to look after your bath, you occupied fully two or three hours. What you were up to during that time, we never knew. You could not very well walk in. When you had, however, done washing, and we entered your room, we found the floor so covered with water that the legs of the bed were soaking, and the matting itself a regular pool. Nor could we make out what kind of washing you had been having. And for days afterwards, we had a laugh over it. But I've neither any time to get the water ready, nor do I see the need for you to have a wash along with me. 
Besides, today is chilly, and as you have had a bath only a little while back, you can very well just now dispense with one. But I'll draw a basin of water for you to wash your face and to shampoo your head with. Not long ago, Yuan Yang sent you a few fruits. They were put in that crystal bowl, so you'd better tell them to bring them to you to taste. Well, in that case, laughed Bao Yu. You needn't also have a bath. Just simply wash your hands and bring the fruits, and let's have some together. I'm so shaky, smiled Qing Wen, that even fans slip out of my hands. And how could I fetch the fruit for you? Were I also to break the dish, it would be still more dreadful. If you want to break it, break it, smiled Bao Yu. These things are only intended for general use. You like this thing, I fancy that. Our respective tastes are not identical. The original use of that fan, for instance, was to fan one's self with. But if you choose to break it for fun, you were quite at liberty to do so. The only thing is, when you get angry, don't make it the means of giving vent to your temper. Just like those selfers. They are really meant for serving things in. But if you fancy that kind of sound, then deliberately smash them. That will be all right. But don't, when you are in high dudgeon, avail yourself of them to air your resentment. That's what one would call having a fancy for a thing. Qing Wen greeted his words with a smile. Since that be so, she said, bring me your fan and let me tear it. What most takes my fancy is tearing. Upon hearing this, Bao Yu smilingly handed it to her. Qing Wen, in point of fact, took it over, and with a crash she rent it in two. Close upon this, the sound of crash upon crash became audible. Bao Yu was standing next to her. How nice the noise is, he laughed. Tear it again, and make it sound a little more. But while he spoke, Xie Ye was seen to walk in. Don't, she smiled, be up to so much mischief. Bao Yu, however, went up to her and, snatching her fan also from her hand, he gave it to Qing Wen. Qing Wen took it and there and then likewise broke it in two. Both he and she then had a hearty laugh. What do you call this? Xie Ye expostulated. Do you take my property and make it the means of distracting yourselves? Open the fan box, shouted Bao Yu, and choose one and take it away. What? Are they such fine things? In that case, ventured Xie Ye, fetch the fans and let her break as many as she can. Won't that be nice? Go and bring them at once, Bao Yu laughed. I won't be up to any such tomfoolery, Xie Ye demurred. She hasn't snapped her hands, so bid her go herself and fetch them. I'm feeling tired, interposed Qing Wen, as she lovingly leaned on the bed. I'll therefore tear some more tomorrow again. An orator says, at the Bao Yu with a smile, that a thousand ounces of gold cannot purchase a single laugh. What can a few fans cost? After moralizing, he went on to call Zhe Ren, Jiren has just finished the necessary change in her dress, so she stepped in, and a young servant girl, Jia Hui, crossed over and picked up the broken fans. 
then they all sat and enjoyed a cool breeze. But we can well dispense with launching into any minute details. End of section 13